Matthew chapter number 26. Matthew chapter 26 this morning. And uh, I do count it a privilege to be able to preach while pastor's gone, but uh, I do want to just make mention that uh, you do have a pastor that loves you, uh, cares for you, he's praying for you, uh, he's amazing, he's faithful, he's strong. I think that's about everything he told me to say about him, but uh, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. He, he really does. We really do have a pastor that, that truly does care and love his church and uh, the people that God has called him to, and I know he does not like missing and not being here, and uh, so uh, keep him in your heart and your prayers, if you would, while he's gone the next couple of days, and maybe shoot him a text message and let him know how much you appreciate him, and uh, some of you are, are, are shaking your heads at me, but uh, I'm going to talk to you this morning. I, he, uh, he told me a while back that he was going to be gone, and he asked uh, Chris and I to, to preach uh, for the day, and uh, so I had been thinking about something, and I had planned what I was going to preach, and he came to me at the beginning of the week, and, and he said, uh, I don't know if you've got set what you're going to preach or not, uh, but he said, if you, uh, if you want to look, or if you don't mind, he said, it would be helpful if you would just continue preaching in the line of messages that he's been going through, kind of leading up to the crucifixion and the resurrection. And so he said, you know, you, I just preached on his prayer in Gethsemane, so you can, you know, you can choose something from the trials, or you can choose the betrayal of Judas, or uh, the denial of Peter, or whatever, and then I'll pick up wherever you decide that, you, that you're not going to preach. And so I thought to myself, and I was, okay, that's uh, not anything where I was going to preach, and, and uh, certainly a totally different direction. Uh, but after I got to thinking about it, uh, God got just kind of led, led me to this passage, and I just couldn't kind of get away from it, and uh, so I, I hope this is a blessing to you this morning, and uh, so we're going to kind of keep along this, the, the line of thought that he's been, been uh, teaching, preaching along, and uh, so we're going to look at the denial of a disciple this morning, and, and we know that to be uh, Peter. If you think about Peter's life, you think about as he led up to this place in his life, you think about some of the things that he accomplished uh, you think about some of his faith, you think about all the times he stuck his foot in his mouth, you think about the fact that he professed Christ to be the son of the living God, and, and Jesus said upon that confession, upon that, uh, upon that statement is where I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You think about Peter who, who said, if, if your God call me out and I'll walk on the water, and God said come, and he stepped out, and the only living person that I know that's actually walked on the water and uh, you think about all the things that Peter has seen and even been a part of and done in his life, and yet we come to this passage and we find that this night, right before the crucifixion of Christ, is probably the lowest that Peter has ever been, spiritually speaking. And so we're going to look at some of those things. We're going to look at kind of a, uh, the process that kind of brought Peter to this place of denying Christ and uh, so let's, let's read some verses here. We're going to start in Matthew 26. Look at verse 31. Uh, we're going to go back just a little ways and, and give a little background here. So this is before they go to Gethsemane, where pastor preached from last week. This is before Jesus prays for them. This is when they're still in, in the upper room. And, uh, you know, they're having the Lord's, the, 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 that last supper. And uh, verse number 31 says, Then Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after, that, but after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. 
Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And then Jesus goes on and he says unto him, Verily I say unto you, verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. And so once again, you find Jesus telling Peter something, and yet Peter emphatically says and, and, and disagrees with what God just said and says, I am not going to do that. I will not be offended from you. I will not deny you. Though everyone else or though I be put to death, I'm going to stand by you. And, and we'll see here in just a little while that that is clearly not what happens. Jump down to verse number 58, and the Bible says this, But Peter followed him afar off, unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. So after Jesus has been arrested and they're, they're going to, to the, the high priest's palace and, and Peter's following afar off. And then we jump down to verse number 69 and the Bible says, Now Peter sat without the palace and a damsel came unto him saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all saying, I know not what thou sayest. Verse 71, and when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were, that were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. Verse 73, and after a while came unto them, uh, come unto him, they that stood by and said unto Peter, surely thou also, um, also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the day. Lord, I do pray that you'd help me this morning. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, just remove me out of the way. Uh, Lord, help me not to get in the way of what you want to accomplish this morning. I pray your Holy Spirit would convict hearts. Lord, that we would be encouraged this morning from your word. Uh, Lord, that we would see this uh, pattern in Peter's life that led him to these denials, uh, but Lord, also that we can uh, avoid that. And uh, Lord, even if we do fail, Lord, there is also the, the second chance. There's also the other opportunities that we have to serve you. And so Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning to be encouraged from uh, the life of Peter and uh, Lord, the, the fact that he did deny you, but uh, he went on to serve you. And Lord, I pray that you bless in this service now, we pray in Christ's name, amen. So this night before the crucifixion, probably the darkest hour of Peter's life, for during that night uh, occurred his great spiritual, uh, for during that night occurred his great spiritual collapse. And he said things and did things which he would never, uh, which he would ever be ashamed of for the rest of his life. Uh, Peter's collapse was climaxed by his threefold denial of Christ. And his collapse occurred step by step, incident by incident, as we go through this, until his all-time low of denying Christ. Uh, we never start with a direct denial of Jesus. Uh, it always starts with something else, and there's a pattern, there's a, there's, a, there's a slow slope of stepping away or falling away from Christ until we are come to that place where we might deny him. Uh, like Peter, if you were told today that you would deny Christ three times uh, before the rooster crows tomorrow, you would probably say, just like Peter, I will never deny thee. Uh, but many times I, I find in my own life, and, and I think if, if we are honest, that we find in our own lives, 
that we do step away from Christ, and there are times where we, we may not actually, in, in words, deny Christ like Peter did, but in actions and various things, we do deny the Lord in our lives many different times. And, and whether it's sinful tendencies or whatever it may be, we don't like thinking about the fact that in me, uh, the Bible says, or that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, Romans seven eighteen says. And, and we see that in our lives, we have the tendency, I believe it's in Jeremiah, the Bible says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? We still have a heart that is wicked, that is deceitful, that is desperately wicked. And, and all of us have the possibility, uh, the sinful ability to step away from the Lord and deny him if we're not careful in our lives. And so we're going to look at some steps that, that led Peter to this denial. And so we're going to see, number one, the development of the denial, the development. How did, how did this develop in Peter's life? What brought him to this place where he actually three times actually denied Christ? And even in those denials, it was a progression. It, was, it started off just as a simple, I, I don't know him. Uh, it went off, it, it continued, the Bible says he, he did it with an oath. Uh, literally means that he, he did it with more emphasis. Um, it wasn't that he, he, he said, you know, I'm giving an oath I, 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 on my life. Uh, I, I do not know him. He was just saying with, with more emphasis than he did the, the time before, I don't know Christ. And then the last time the Bible says that he cursed and, and he began to swear that he did not. That doesn't mean he used swear words or that he was actually physically using vulgarities, but the Bible says that he the, the word swear and the word oath or the word uh, curse there literally means to, to place with or to attach something to it. He was saying with absolute whatever, whether he you know, said uh, on my mother's life <laughs> um, or on, 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 on the Bible. You know, sometimes we use phrases like that, you know, in the name of the Lord, uh, I, I'm not going to do that. And, and he attached something to that, but it certainly was not pleasant either. And, uh, and it was so it was a progression even in that. And so we find in this development, we see first the declaration of loyalty. Uh, Peter declared his loyalty, as we saw in verse number 31 down through verse number 35. Uh, Peter absolutely declared loyalty to Christ. And, and he even said, if everybody else is offended, I will not be offended. If all the other disciples... He was placing himself on a pedestal far above everybody else because that's what Peter thought of himself. He thought he was better than everybody else. And, and, and we find oftentimes Peter in his pride sticks his foot in his mouth or he says something that he regrets or that Jesus has to rebuke him for. But oftentimes he says the right things too. And, and so don't discount Peter, but at the same time he's making this declaration of loyalty. He, he's declaring Above everything else, I am not going to be offended, and I am not going to deny you. When the Son of God just told him he would. You think about the Son of God who is omniscient. He knows all things, and yet Peter, who has seen him feed 5,000 people, who has healed the sick, who has told him things to come already, and Peter just missed it. He just missed the fact that the Son of God just told me I'm going to do that, so I'm probably going to do it. <laughs> You know, you'd think somewhere along the line, Peter would start to get a hint, but he doesn't. He just continues to declare his loyalty. And four times Peter made an emphatic declaration of loyalty to Christ on the night before the crucifixion. In, his in these declarations, Peter said 
that he would be faithful to Jesus Christ no matter what, that none of the disciples were, none of the disciples were so outspoken about loyalty to Christ as Peter was. But instead of loyalty that night, we see that Peter was the worst. He was the one who denied Christ. He was the one who fully walked away from Christ in a way that none of the other disciples did. Uh, two of the four declarations were made in that upper room. The other two were made uh, on or near the Mount of Olives when they, were in, when they were dealing with or leaving the Passover and going to the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and as Peter makes these declarations of loyalty, it reminds us that it is often the habit of men when, when we experience things in our life, when we experience spiritual decline or when we might be stepping away, you ever, you ever listen to somebody and you hear them say things and, you're, and you kind of think to yourself, I don't need you to tell me that. I see you doing it. You know, some, somebody says, I, I, I promise you, I'm telling you the truth. Okay, you know, I, I never doubted that. I don't need you to tell me. You know, sometimes we th- I think when somebody is emphatically saying something that they are doing or they are not doing, when, when they make such a big deal about it, sometimes you wonder, why do they need to tell me? Why can't they just let their life, why can't they just let their testimony, why can't they just let what they're doing say that for them? You know, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. And so, uh, yeah, think about that one for a while. Some of you will... <laughs> Some of you will get that one in a minute. But, uh, you know, we think about the fact that oftentimes we speak, oftentimes we declare loyalty to Christ, but oftentimes our actions speak much louder. And the things we do and the places we go and all these different things, and, and a lot of times that says a lot louder that I'm not walking, I'm not being loyal to Christ. And that was the case for Peter. You know, he, he's declaring with absolute assurity that I am not going to deny Christ, I'm not going to be unfaithful, and yet he was the one who walked away. He was the one who did deny Christ. And, and many times we just need to be the people that just stand faithful to the Lord. We just need to let our testimony, let our light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Uh, don't, you don't have to always just say to people, you don't have to tell them if your life, if your testimony, if what you're doing is backing that up. And, and Peter here is declaring this, but we see that he's declaring it because we see that he's slowly declining. He's slowly kind of stepping away to this place where he's going to deny Christ. So we see uh, the fact that he made this declaration of loyalty, but he was also, letter B, he was drowsy in Gethsemane. We saw this last week as, as Pastor was, was preaching. He didn't touch on it very much, but... We see that as Jesus began to pray, he told Peter and James and John, he said, sit here with me, watch and pray. What happened with all three of them? They fell asleep. Okay, now none of you are allowed to do that this morning while I'm preaching, okay? (laughs) Um, But many times, I mean, you know, sometimes I get up in the morning and and I go to read my Bible and man, you know, Bible says early will I seek you. Early is not the best time for me. It just, it just isn't, you know. Uh, sometimes, you know, you, you think that's the first thing I got to do is read my Bible. I got to take a shower first. I, I've got to, to wake up and, and, and whatever. Um, you know, because sometimes I get up and as I'm reading my Bible or as I'm praying, and man, I just zone out. You know, or my phone goes off. Or this happens or that happens. I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. I'm doing everything except focusing on the Lord. And that's what Jesus told Peter to do in the garden. 
He said, sit here, watch and pray. Another passage that says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. And, and, and Peter is getting ready to go to this place where he's going to be tempted to deny Christ, and yet he fails to watch and pray. He fails to spend time with the Lord, and we see that he falls asleep. He's drowsy uh, when, he should be, when he should be standing. We find that Peter protested uh, absolutely that he was not going to deny Christ. But it didn't take long for us to discover that that declaration really wasn't that great because the next moment he's, he's falling asleep in the garden when he should be praying with his Lord. And the first outward manifestation that we see is that failure uh, in the garden of Gethsemane. There he failed to perform a simple duty asked of him by Christ. Uh, Christ asked Peter, James, and John, tarry here with me, watch and pray. And yet they fell asleep. You know, in that, in that declaration of loyalty, Peter insisted that he would be faithful even unto death. But he couldn't even stay awake in the garden. And he said, I'll give my life for the Lord. But he couldn't even keep himself awake. And, and, and we find many times in our lives, I think, that we just kind of go to sleep on the Lord. We just kind of, we get drowsy, we get whatever, and we just fail to miss what God has told us to do very clearly. And we don't do those things that are very clear in our lives. And Peter's great failure later that night, denying Christ three times, really, it, it shouldn't be any surprise as we begin to see the steps that he's taking and the things that he's doing that are leading up to that. For he evidenced earlier in the night that he was having trouble being faithful, even in these small matters of just doing what God told him to do, watching and praying. Terry, you here with me, watch and pray. We also see a, a demonstration, letter C, we see a demonstration of swordplay. As uh, the, the high priests and, and their, their, their men, their bodyguards come and they come to arrest Jesus, uh, what, is, what does Peter do? He immediately reaches for the sword. And he just steps forward and takes action, right? What does he do? Whoosh. I don't know if he just had bad aim or if the guy just got lucky. Uh, I don't know if it was really luck. He lopped off his right ear. But Jesus immediately, what did, he, what did he do? He rebukes Peter. He says, put your swords away. Those who live by the sword will die by them. He says, put your sword away. And then, and then he further shamed Peter by taking the ear. We find in another one of the Gospels, uh, I believe it's in, in, uh, in, in Luke, he picks up the ear and he puts it back on and he heals the high priest servant. So Peter, I mean, imagine being Peter at that moment. He steps forward as in, you know, I, I'm the one. I'll die. I've got my sword. I'm ready to go. And he lops off his ear and Jesus says, put it away. And then he heals the guy he just tried to kill. I mean, how would you feel if you were Peter? Be like, Lord, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to, to help you. I'm trying to be faithful to you. I'm try, trying to do all these things. And Jesus is just telling him, that's not what I want. In fact, we find that just before this happens, just before Peter swung his sword, uh, the, the disciples asked in Luke chapter 22, verse 49, they said, shall we smite with the sword? They were asking Jesus. They said, what, what, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to fight? Do you want us to run? Do you want to, are we all going to prison? I mean, what do you want us to do? And Peter didn't wait for an answer. He just grabbed his sword and he started swinging. Again, Peter just jumping ahead and, and he just, 
And many times in our lives, I think we're like Peter. We just kind of jump ahead of what God wants. We don't wait. We're not patient. Uh, I'm a very impatient person. Very impatient. Traffic in Pembroke Pines. (laughs) Pines Boulevard is the thorn in my flesh. It really is, all right? Um, I could go off on that one, all right? But uh, I hate traffic lights. I'll keep driving. I'll turn right, and I'll go up and pop a U-turn or go through a neighborhood or something like that. It'll take me five more minutes to get where I'm going, but as long as I'm moving, I'm good. I just hate stopping at stoplights. It's just the way I am. Um, And Peter was the same way. He just said, you know what? I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to stand by. Where's the head? Let Let me lop it off. Right? And Jesus says, no, that's not what I want. And we can learn, a, a, you know, another principle we can learn from this is, is the gospel, the word of God, will conquer much faster than a sword will. There's a lot of things that we feel like we can do outwardly, that we can, we can fight this battle or we can, we can do whatever. But if God's not in that, if God's word is not being used, uh, a lot of times nothing will be accomplished. And, and we've got to learn to wait on the Lord and let him have his will and let him have his way in our lives. So we see the demonstration of swordplay. We also see the last thing here, the drifting from fellowship. Peter just begins to drift further and further away. And after the sword incident, the continual decline of Peter's spiritual condition shows up as he drifted away. We see in verse 58, but Peter followed him from afar off. If Peter really loved the Lord, if he was really willing to die for the Lord, why didn't he go stand next to the Lord? Why didn't he let himself be taken with the Lord? Why didn't when the trial started and all the false accusers were being brought in and and saying all the lies about what Jesus had done that the high priest had put them up to, why did Peter not walk up to the front and say, these guys are lying? I've been with Jesus. I've seen what he's done. But again, we see Peter, he's just kind of off in the shadows. He's just afar off. And, And Many times in our lives, we just let ourselves drift away where we might even, in our, in our minds, and our hearts, we might even think that we're following the Lord, but we're doing it afar off. We're doing it where we're away from the Lord. We're doing it where nobody else can see what's going on. We're doing it where, you know, I'll go to church, but I'm not going to invite anybody. Uh, I'll do this, but I'm not going to witness for the Lord. I'll, I'll do this, but I'm not going to hand out a gospel tract. We'll do this, but... You know, I'm not going to serve here. We'll do this, but I I can't do that. We're unwilling to stand. We're unwilling to serve in the areas that God has allowed us to do uh, many times because we're just ashamed. And and Paul said this in Romans 1.16. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the Lord. I'm not ashamed of standing up for him. And it's not necessarily that that Peter and taking a stand was wrong, but the way he did it and the timing he did it was wrong. It's not what God wanted. It's not what God told them to do. And, And so there are times where we need to stand. There are times where we need to fight back, but we need to do it in a way that God is leading us to do it. We need to do it in a way that is pleasing and brings honor to him. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. 
We shouldn't cower in fear. We shouldn't follow afar off. We shouldn't be worried about what people will think. The Bible tells us that we ought to love, uh, love God rather than men. Right? Care more about what God thinks of us than what men think of us. But far too often we're, we're you know, we get to that place and, and we wonder, well, well, what does so-and-so think? What's my next-door neighbor going to think if I go to church every single Sunday? What's my family going to think if I say I, I can't go to that activity because I need to be in church? What, what, what is it going to, you know, what are they going to think if, you know, even right here in the services, what is the person sitting next to me going to think if I get up and I go down to the invita- in the invitation and I go down to the altar? Are, gonna, are they going to think I've got some big, deep sin problem? Maybe you do. I don't know. But that's why we come down here to deal with it. And if we can't do that with a full auditorium of brothers and sisters in Christ, where else are we going to be able to do it? You know, we're certainly, if we can't even just come forward for the Lord here in church, we're certainly not going to stand or do anything for the Lord out there either. And so we need to watch that these, these developments in Peter's life, as he declared his loyalty, he was drowsy in Gethsemane, he demonstrated his swordplay, and he drifted away from fellowship. It all brings us to the point number two, which is the, de- the depths of the denial. The depths, I mean, how far did Peter sink, really, to actually physically deny Christ? Well, we see the, the climax of, this, of the collapse in Peter's life in these three denials. To think that Peter, with all of those past performance, all those things that he did that we talked about at the beginning, yet when we look at his performance, it, it, the things he did on this night, we really shouldn't be surprised that Peter actually denied Christ. We really shouldn't be surprised about it anyways because Jesus said he's going to deny it. But definitely, as we see all the, the, the steps that Peter's taken away from the Lord, and the fact, though, that one of the best disciples denied the Lord should warn us that we, too, can be, can be guilty of great and terrible and even unfortunate things in our lives. We're all capable of doing what Peter did. We all are. Uh, like I said earlier, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We all have the capability, we all have the ability to do the things that are wrong. And if we do not stop the the spiritual collapse, if you will, if we don't nip it in the bud right there, it's going to bloom, it's going to blossom into a full-fledged denial of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that in Peter's life here. We see number letter A, we see the warning. Jesus even warned Peter. He told him. He didn't just tell him that you're going to deny me, but he told Peter the time that he would deny him, around the time the rooster crows. He told him how many times he would deny him. You know, you would think after Peter denied Christ twice that he would have thought, okay, maybe I need to leave. Maybe I need to get out of here. But he didn't. He stayed right there. And many times we see that the Lord warns us in our lives. Whether it's a a scripture verse that's brought back to our mind, whether it's the Holy Spirit convicting us as we're we're getting ready to do something we shouldn't do or go someplace we shouldn't go. 
Maybe it's a friend or a, a brother in Christ that says, hey, you better be careful. There's a lot of different ways we can be warned, but many times we get a warning from the Lord, and yet we just continue on. We just keep going. And the Bible says that we are to, in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. That sums up Peter to a T. Because he thought, I, I got this taken care of. I am all right, Jesus. I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to flee. I'm not going to deny you. I will die for you. And yet we find a little servant girl getting Peter to deny Christ three times. And, and so we see here that we see that, that this, this warning that Jesus gave. We cannot blame God for our failures. He has given us adequate warning in his word alone, much less everything else that happens in our lives. If something's going on in our life because of a choice we have made, it can only come back to us. We can only point the fingers at us. Uh, you know, God is a gracious God. He is a merciful God. He is a loving God. Uh, but if we do something that's wrong, he's also a, judgeful, uh, a just God. He will judge. There are consequences for sin. And we see some of that in Peter's life. We see also not just the warning, but we see the wickedness. Uh, Peter's words here were, were we're going to see several different things here. First, they were deceiving words. They were deceiving words. As you think about what Peter said, Peter lied in his denials of Christ. In fact, he told four distinct lies. The first one, he denied Christ. Uh, uh, first, he denied being with Christ. They said, surely you, you were with him. You were with the guy from Nazareth. And he said, no, no, I wasn't with him. We find that in Matthew 26 and in John chapter 18. Second, he denied being one of the disciples in John chapter 18. Third, he denied knowing Christ, Matthew 26 here in our passage. And fourth, he denied even understanding the accusation. He said uh, in, in Mark chapter 14, uh, verse 68, he said, Neither understand I what thou sayest. He's like, what are you trying to say? He knew exactly what they were trying to say, and he denied Christ. Liars do not do well standing true to Christ. He who is the personification of truth is best defended by truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's what Jesus told us. He is truth. Truth personified. And yet, Peter denied him with, with a lie, with deceiving words. Second, they were dishonoring words. In his great confessions of Christ, Peter called Christ the Son of the living God in Matthew chapter number 16, as he said, uh, Thou art the, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and, and Jesus said, Upon that confession, I will build my church. We find that he called him Master. We find that he called him Lord as he was with him. But as Peter denies him here, what does he call him? I know not the man. He gives no honor to the Lord. He gives no honor to who he is. He gives no honor to his position or his authority. Peter sunk to a, a very low place and not even being willing to give honor to who, to who Jesus Christ was. Revelation 19, 16 says, And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's who God is. That's who Jesus is. And he deserves the honor from that name. 
from who he is. Philippians 2, 9 through 11, wherefore God also has, has, hath, excuse me, hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and of things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every person is going to do that. Saved or unsaved. Every person is going to realize who Jesus Christ truly was. And yet Peter dishonored Christ by saying, I don't even know the man. I don't know who he is. He dishonored him. We see third that they were deserting words. Peter deserted Christ by his denials and he deserted Christ when Christ needed him the most. For it was during the trials that Peter deserted Christ. These trials were filled with false accusations and people that were brought to accuse Christ falsely. But instead of speaking up and standing up and speaking the truth about who Christ was, we find Peter stayed to the side and spoke falsely of Christ rather than speaking the truth about him. And fourth, we see that they were defiling words. Both Matthew and Mark report, report that Peter accompanied his denials with a defiled tongue. Then began he to curse and to swear among, uh, saying, I know not the man. While the language here does not mean a string of vulgarities, it does mean a, a profane type of speech. And, and, and he began to place things with that, with that, with that, uh, um, with, with the way that he was professing Christ, with the way that he was saying, I don't know him. People are always in trouble when they must resort to defiled speech to enforce what they are saying. Truth does not need unsavory speech for its support. Facts are all that is necessary. Foul talk is never necessary for it only betrays the sinful condition of the speaker. We need to be careful with our words. Luke 6.45 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of the heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You ever hear somebody when they say a, a curse word or something and they say, oh, sorry about that. I didn't mean that. It just slipped out. According to the Bible, it did not. It was inside, it was in my heart, and that's why it came out. We have to be careful what we allow in, otherwise it will come out. We also see, let her see, the weeping. Not just the warning and the wickedness, but the weeping. What happened after he denied Christ? He went out and wept bitterly. Right after the third denial, Peter came under great conviction of his terrible sin and went out and wept bitterly. A.T. Robertson says one of the tragedies of the cross is the bleeding heart of Peter. And truly, that is, a, is an accurate statement. In Luke's gospel, the Bible says, And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. In Matthew, it just says that he remembered the Lord's saying. In Luke, it actually says that Jesus turned and looked, and Peter and Jesus met eyes, and Peter remembered. And in Luke, it actually says while he was yet speaking, the Lord looked on him, and Peter remembered, and he went out and wept bitterly. No words had to be exchanged. No judgment had to be brought. As soon as the rooster crowed and Jesus turned and looked at Peter, Peter knew exactly what he had done. Peter knew exactly what he had fulfilled. 
he knew how great his sin was, but I believe he also, through this weeping, when he went out and wept bitterly, I believe that that was repentance. I believe he knew exactly what he did, and he went out and repented of it. Now, we find Peter in a pretty low spot in just a little while. He doesn't just go back and serve the Lord after he repented. He went back to fishing. But he went out and he wept bitterly. As a, as a kid, <laughs> my sister was, uh, was a very rebellious, stubborn young lady. Uh, she, could be, she could get a, a whooping from my parents when she did something wrong, and, and she would look at them, and she'd say, I'm not going to cry. And they'd spank her again. But me, on the other hand, I, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm the middle child. Man, my mom could look at me, and I'd confess everything I'd just done. <laughs> it's just the way it is. And, and, and really, I think, I think that's kind of Peter here. Jesus just, you know, he didn't have to say anything. All he had to do was make eye contact, and Peter knew exactly. And he went out, and he repented, and he wept bitterly. And the reason I think that he repented here is because we see in this next point the do-over. The do-over after his denial. Peter went fishing. Peter's story doesn't end with the denial of Jesus Christ. If it did, this would be a pretty dreary, sad message. But it doesn't. It doesn't stop there. Aren't you glad that God is a God of grace and a God of the second chance? He just is. He's a merciful, gracious God. And we find that after Christ's resurrection, Jesus goes looking for Peter because he wasn't finished with him. He wasn't done with Peter. And although Peter felt unworthy to serve the Lord after his denials and had returned to fishing, Jesus had more for Peter to do. Jesus was not quite finished with Peter. The same is true for you and me. You know, we can do all kinds of things. We can deny Christ just like Peter did. We can go out and we can sin like we sin. We can make the choices that we make. And, and we're going to face consequences for all of those things. But God says that he will always forgive our sin. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness we can have and continue a right relationship and we can continue to serve the Lord. But repentance is a change of mind. It's not continuing in the sin which we were there, but it's making a decision that because God has convicted me of that, because I know it was wrong, I'm going to turn from that and I'm going to turn and I'm going to follow Christ. It's no longer just, you know, sometimes we get in that rut, we get in that habit and, and God convicts us and we repent and we confess and we come and we ask for forgiveness, and in a week, we're right back at it. And God convicts us again, and we come down and we confess, and we're right back at it. And we're just in that vicious cycle of continuing to do it. You haven't truly repented. Repentance is a change of your mind. It's, it's a decision in your mind, in your faculties, that that is wrong, that that disappoints God, and I'm not going to do that anymore, but I'm going to turn 180 degrees. And I'm going to go the other way. Because that's the way God is. That's, that's the way God is glorified. That's the way God is honored. 
And if we will repent, the same is true for you and me. God will allow us to continue to serve him. God will give us a second chance. God will allow us to continue to serve in some form and capacity. Philippians 3, 13 and 14, brethren, I count, Paul said, Brethren, I, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forth to those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You think about somebody who had all right to say, God, I am not worthy to serve you. It was Saul. Saul, who became Paul, who had murdered hundreds, maybe even thousands of Christians, placed them in prison, persecuted them, tortured them, whatever he did to them, and yet God called that man to go out, and as he went out, I believe he, he preached to most of the known world at the time. He went out into every place that he possibly could, giving the gospel of Jesus Christ, and wrote most of our New Testament. I told the teenagers this morning, you think of somebody like that, you know, if we were to go into a prison system and we were to get the guy who's on death row or the guy who's serving multiple life sentences because of some murders he's committed, that would not be the person we would pick to come and pastor a church or to write another book in the Bible or to do something great for God. But that's who Jesus picked. That's who God picked. And, and no matter what we do, no matter how low we get, we can always come back to the Lord. He is a God that is gracious and merciful. Now, that does not give us the right to stay in sin. That does not give us the right to live any way we want. But we can always come back. You can always come back. As we conclude today, I, I want to ask, where are you in this series of steps? The series of events that, that took Peter to the place of denial. Where are you at in your life? Are, are you in that, that first step? Or are you in the developing stage? Maybe you haven't denied him yet, but maybe you're declaring to everyone that you're a good Christian. You're letting everybody know as loud as you can, I'm faithful to the Lord. Maybe you're getting drowsy in your relationship with the Lord and not spending time with him. Maybe you're jumping ahead of him ahead of God, and you're acting when you should be listening and following. Uh, maybe you're just drifting in your fellowship. You're following, but it's afar off. You have yet to commit everything completely unashamed of who Christ is. Is the denial developing in your life? Perhaps you're right in the middle of a denial. Perhaps you're right in the middle where Peter actually was denying Christ. Maybe you're hearing the warning, but you're not heeding it. Instead, you're just continuing on down a path of destruction. Maybe you're using your words in a way that is deceiving, dishonoring, deserting, and even defiling to the Lord. Maybe you're in a time of sorrow and weeping because of what you already have done. Can I just say, just repent and turn to the Lord? Just come back to Him? Because remember, no matter what you have done, you can get in that third step and you can get in the do-over stage. You can come back and you can continue on. Peter went back to his normal life. He went back to fishing. But Jesus came and he said, 
nope, that's not where I want you. And just a little while later, we find in Acts chapter number 2, Peter stands up and he preaches the gospel, and 3,000 people get saved and come to know Christ. Think of what God wants to do through your life if we'll just come back to him and let him give us the second chance and let us get right back to where we need to be and serve the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the day. Lord, thank you for the message. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us in our lives that we would not be in this area where Peter was, that we would not be in the, in the stage of denying you, uh, that we would not even be in the, in the place where we're uh, allowing the denial to develop in our lives. Uh, but Lord, no matter what, even if we've never gone to that depth, may we just get back and serve you. May we give our life wholly and completely to you, and may you use us in a special way, just like you did with Peter. And Lord, I pray you bless in this invitation now. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's